It's looking like a wet Thanksgiving. From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. National Weather Service meteorologist Nicole Farron with that word. We don't get too much of a reprieve between systems. We're looking at a stronger one uh, for Wednesday into Thursday. Farron forecast two to four inches later in the week. It does look warm enough to be rain for us at this point, and that looks like another uh, two to four inches of rain over those two days, and uh, the, the wind, another round of wind, and um, we've got astronomical highs uh, peaking on those two days, so we're going to be keeping an eye on any coastal flooding uh, risks, too and gave this advice to boat owners. Anyone, uh, keep an eye on your vessels over over the holiday, you know, uh, especially when you get those strong winds, the, the wave action, and then also already at high tide. Um, that could just cause some more, more issues. Meteorologist Nicole Farron. State troopers report that six aboard a Cessna plane are safe after a crash south of Bethel Sunday afternoon. On Sunday at about noon, the state troopers were notified of a plane crash approximately 10 miles south of Bethel. Troopers said local Bethel pilots had already begun responding to the area before the notification of the state troopers. A preliminary investigation revealed that a U-Air Cessna 207 was flying between Good News Bay and Bethel when it lost engine power and crashed, according to the dispatch. Six people were on board the commercial flight at the time of the crash, and none of the occupants reported any injuries. All parties are, were safely retrieved from the crash site by aircraft landing nearby. The National Transportation Safety Board was notified. A coalition of elder care providers formed in Juneau to collaborate on addressing the needs of seniors in the community. Catholic Community Services Director Aaron walker Tullis spoke on that. Well, on Action Line. The Elder Care Coalition formed in January. A couple of dozen uh, elder care providers and other interested stakeholders like JEDC and the university and Department of Workforce. And, um, and so basically when we came together, we looked at, well, what can we do? How do we, what's the biggest burning need? And it was elders need care in their homes. Not even sometimes a lot of care, but just someone to come in. What do we do about that? Juno Economic Development Council Director Brian Hulse joined Walker Tolls on the program. We've been working for many years about trying to make this community as um, accessible to re- the t- retirement community as possible. And we've seen incredible growth um, since um, in 2011. The 16 older population was about 15% of Juno's population. Now it's about 22%. And so with that growth, we're seeing all sorts of challenges, right? Including housing and also, which is what we really want to talk about today, some of the needs of elders, they're just, we're just having trouble meeting all of those needs. And so with a group of folks that I understand how important this is, we've helped to create a coalition focused on um, elder care needs in our region. Walker Toll said that the coalition had received the donation of $2.5 million and will be using that towards both recruitment and training, but also wage supplementation for in-home senior workers. 
what I'm seeing, and I think most elder care providers, um, we want to collaborate. What we see is there's so many gaps in the system. We can't afford to duplicate, duplicate services. We need to work together. And um, some providers do case co- care coordination. Some provide the in-home workers. Some, like my agency, do case management or provide meals and rides. All of us have a role to play, and all of us are pretty well uh playing well together. Um, but we also have a larger vision here, and it has to include the workforce development. It has to include the economic development. It has to include the training and education of these workers. It's a much broader workforce initiative to create a workforce to serve this population. Um, and so we, we just pulled it all together. She said additional information is available at jedc.org. While on Action Line, Juno City Manager Rory Watt gave a wrap on this year's city election results. The uh, parks and the turf field advocates uh, did good and they were successful, so we're going to get some uh, uh, you know, turf at Adair Kennedy and some other park projects, so I think we'll have some happy people on that. Uh, city Hall failed, and, and I'm going to give you a positive spin on it. Um, you know, my take is the public, it was close. Um, and, and my take is the public said, uh, pretty good idea, but not quite good enough and keep working on it. So we're going to, we're going to try on that and, and we'll probably put together a task force at some point and try to make that, uh, good enough to get over the finish line. And, uh, you know, some people, uh, maybe didn't understand the project and we didn't do a good enough job explaining it. Um, but our goal is more efficient and more effective government. It's not that we want to build a city hall. Uh, it's that we want to be better with your tax dollars. On the new city hall proposal, the Juno Assembly did set aside about $6 million towards the project. Watt addressed that and what may be next in the effort for a new center of city government. It needs maintenance, and so we uh, we did put a bunch of savings into a project. Um, nobody is enthusiastic about spending a bunch of money on the existing city hall. It's a funky building. It's got old plumbing. Uh, it's okay for now, uh, but I, I think we're going to uh, take a hard look at... Uh, you know, renovating it uh, and come up with a, a detailed cost estimate. And I think people will look at the cost of renovating City Hall and see what you get. And they'll say, well, we don't want to do that either. Um, and then I think we'll, you know, we'll re-engage on the, the new building idea and see if we can uh, economize on that a bit, figure out a way to save some costs, figure out a way to um, explain the project better. And I think ultimately take another run at it and made this point about previous voter-approved capital projects in Juneau. It took us two runs to build a police station. It took us two runs to uh, build a swimming pool in in the valley. Um, you know, it's a public process, and and I, I'm taking I'm taking the uh, public support as a very positive sign that that we're close to having an acceptable proposal. City Manager Rory Watt. The United States Department of Interior last week announced that it has approved Clinton and Haida's fee-to-trust application to place one of its land parcels into federal trust status. The recently approved fee-to-trust application, also called Land Into Trust, was submitted by Clinton and Haida in 2009. The parcel, Lot 15, Block 5, a map is available at kinyradio.com, 
is located in Juneau, with the historical and cultural area long known as the Juneau Indian Village. Under federal trust status, Clinkin and Haida's land parcels cannot be sold, alienated, or transferred without federal approval. This is the second fee to trust acquisition in Alaska since the passage of the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act in 1971, and the first in five years. Eagle Crest is gearing up for this year's season. We'll have more on that after the break. You're listening to News of the North. Coming up, opening day scheduled for December 3rd. Just like, what, a little less than two weeks, right, or something like that? You got it. Yep, we're uh, getting the mountain geared up. It's exciting times. Everybody's scrambling, and uh, things are taking shape. We're pretty excited. That was Dano and Eagle Crest General Manager Dave Scallon on Capital Chat talking about the upcoming Eagle Crest winter season. He said they're going to their winter schedule after Thanksgiving, so Wednesday through Sunday. He had this to say about post-COVID changes regarding pre-saved gear. We're going to go back to a little more of a hybrid, um, more like normal. We will do some presets and some prefits, but uh, due to staffing, we're going to try to just get back to business as usual. So uh, come up to the ticket window. Um, we'll get you all your forms filled out and, and get you pumped right through the rental shop and get you out on the slopes. Scallon said they are opening a program for elementary students. We're actually starting a new program this year uh, with the Eagle Crest Foundation, our nonprofit partner. Um, they've been a longtime supporter of our Books to Boards program. We're also doing a new program um, looking for people that might want to sponsor a second or third grade school group. Really? So they can go on to the EagleCrestFoundation.org, find out about those opportunities great organization that helps us with our youth programming they also help us with some other uh, capital projects they helped out with a bunch of big snowmaking improvements over the past two years as well so um, that snowmaking as everybody knows really uh, helps us get things rolling and as for the new gondola Gondola's doing good. The engineering team's been just going full steam ahead on doing all the design work. Um, it's going to be a busy winter working with them and getting all the structural designs for the tower foundations and then looking ahead to construction season this summer. Hopefully we'll be uh, breaking ground and getting some concrete in the ground. Eagle Crest General Manager Dave Skellen. Last week, U.S. Senators Lisa Murkowski, Maria Cantwell of Washington, Dan Sullivan, and Patty Murray, also of Washington, sent a letter to Secretary of Commerce Raimondo urging her to readily declare a federal fishery disaster. The request is for the 2022-23 Bering Sea snow crab and Bristol Bay Red King crab, as well as the 2021-22 Bristol Bay Red King crab fisheries. Following last month's harvests being canceled, declaring a fishery disaster for the Bering Sea snow crab and red king crab fisheries is needed before Congress can secure assistance for fishing families, businesses, and communities that depend on the fisheries. The Alaska Supreme Court ruled Friday that a 46-year-old law limiting financial awards and medical malpractice lawsuits is unconstitutionally biased against Alaskans with medical insurance. According to the Alaska Beacon, the 57-page decision was issued following a six-year legal struggle by a woman who was injured during gallbladder surgery and could increase compensation received by insured Alaskans who are injured by medical malpractice. In brief, 
The overturned law states that if a person wins a malpractice claim, the value of any insurance payout or other compensation must be subtracted from the financial award they receive if they win the lawsuit. Since the law was passed, the court noted most private insurance companies have begun using mandatory subrogation clauses in their contracts. These clauses mean that if a plaintiff wins a malpractice award, an insurance company may claw back what it paid to the injured person, the Alaska Beacon explained. That was the situation with the woman injured during gallbladder surgery. According to figures she submitted to the high court, she received $349,000 from insurance but was awarded $250,000 in damages, less than the maximum the insurance company could claw back. Because of the different treatment offered by the law and the lack of power to choose an alternative, the court concluded that the 1976 law violates the clause of the Alaska Constitution that entitles everyone to equal protection under the law. Members of the Thunder Mountain High School swim and dive team spoke on Capital Chat about the upcoming tree and wreath fundraiser that starts this Friday. Here's butterfly and breaststroker, as well as team captain, Swin Rasmussen, with what they will have. we got a lot of different uh, types of trees, a lot of different sizes, Douglas firs, Nordman firs, Noble firs, um, all the way from two to nine feet. Just a lot of different variety there. And then we also have reeds, which are, um, they usually sell out fast. All our trees usually sell out fast. They're really good. He spoke to one they will be selling. You can start buying the trees this Friday, the Friday right after Thanksgiving. We'll be open then, and then from there, we'll be open Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. But um, come fast, because we sell out pretty quick. Rasmussen spoke to what the fundraising is for. It takes a lot of money to travel around southeast, because you have to fly because there's no roadways like up north <laughs> so you have to fly a ton and then yeah the fundraising also helps us do scholarships for kids that wouldn't be able to travel without it so it's a really important part of swimming so that everyone can participate and said families will be helping out too we're still doing the carrying the trees and stuff but the parents are also there kind of make it more lively and enjoyable it's not just two swimmers sitting out there in the cold we've got our <laughs> families there too and it's a lot of fun the sale will be taking place at the fred meyer parking lot never miss a story or a newscast at keinyradio.com now you're up to date for news of the north this is kevin allen